friends. Welcome to the podcast. I am Melissa Matheson, and today we are talking with my friend Krista about her recent journey with breast cancer. And just in case you men that are listening think you're going to skip out on this one because, well, you think this is a topic for women, I encourage you to go ahead and pull up a chair to the table and hear some great advice on how to love people well when they're dealing with cancer or sickness. I need to go ahead and apologize ahead of time if this conversation sounds a little scattered and pieced together. This topic hit a little too close to home for me personally, and there were several times in the conversation I had to stop recording and start again. One of my own sisters was recently diagnosed with breast cancer, and I've watched her endure the effects of chemo and cancer the last several weeks. Hearing Krista talk so candidly about her own battle with cancer was a bit emotional for me to hear. I almost considered asking Krista to come back and record this podcast again, but her thoughts and responses in this conversation were so beautifully shared that I wanted you to hear them. There are so many things about my friend Krista that we could have discussed, but when I asked Krista to have coffee and join us at the table, I specifically asked if we could talk about her story with breast cancer, as October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. I really appreciate Krista sharing just this one small chapter in the story of her life. So go grab your coffee and join us at the table. It's Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and we're talking about cancer, family, and loving well. Today on What's Next, God? So I want to um, I want to tell everybody listening how we met. Okay. Do you remember how we met? Please do tell. Because <laughs> it's pretty awesome. It is. Yeah. I don't even remember how many years ago it was. It's been a minute. It's been a long time mm-hmm. that I was on uh, Instagram, maybe, mm-hmm. I think, and I saw some jewelry for sale. Mm-hmm. And there was like a cuff bracelet. I was like... I'm going to buy myself a bracelet for Christmas because I was a single mom and I had three small kids Mm. and I buy my own presents because they were little. You deserve it. And I bought this cuff bracelet and got some custom, Mm -hmm. a custom word put on it Mm -hmm. and from you. Do you remember what it was? What your word was? I think it was. Is it a scripture? No, it was too. I'm gonna have to go look I it up. Know. It's been a long time. Yeah, but I lost it in the storm, so that's why I don't remember Aww. what it was. Trust? Mm-hmm. No, Maybe. it was a heart shape. I remember the mm-hmm. medallion on it. The charm it was, a, was heart. a heart. We're gonna have to investigate that. I have I a picture of it. It's on my Instagram right now. I could look it up. Awesome. And tell you what it was. But I ordered this cuff bracelet from you. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know how we became Instagram friends, but we were just friends and yeah, Eric and Andrea. You. But I didn't know that. Yes. I didn't know that. Yeah. And then one day I my neighbors Did you come visit them? I did. Yeah. You came to visit mm-hmm. them and I recognized you and found out that you yeah. were related to yeah. my neighbors <laughs> that had moved so to weird. Northwest Alabama and mm-hmm. you were living in were you in Texas? Then? I think we were still in Virginia. At you that were in point. Virginia. Mm-hmm. Are you from Virginia? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. What part? Central. So Petersburg, Hopewell. Okay. Mm-hmm. Born and raised. Born and raised. Yep. Is that where you met your husband? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How did you meet him? Well, I was a senior. I had a really bad breakup and I needed a prom date. So my friend knew him. He had went in the Marines and he had come back um, and introduced me. And I kind of knew him because he was two years older than me. So I knew of him, but he was just going to be a prom date. But mm, And yeah. he's a little bit older than you. Two years. Yeah. Two years older. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got married. Mm-hmm. When did you move to Texas? Um, 2012. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that would have been, I did. So it was, you yeah. were in Virginia because it mm-hmm. had to have been easily... 
2010 yeah. or something when I yeah. when I first met you online. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that's so fun. Uh, tell me the story about going from Virginia to Texas. What took you there? Oh, well, we were pastoring in Virginia, and we had pastored um, this little church. We helped plan it, and then we became the senior pastors of it after another one stepped away, and. So we had pastored this little church and we just, we loved it, but we felt like the Lord was just calling us out and we had a connection in Texas and, um, we just, we felt called there. So we ended up moving to Amarillo and we helped revitalize a church, a smaller church that was dying basically. Did you know the pastor in Texas? Um, we did, we knew the bishop of it and he was over a ministry there that we connected with, um, And so we connected with him and we just, we really loved his heart and we felt like that's what we were supposed to do. So we moved out there to help them and we ended up um, taking over his church, which was kind of the flagship church of that area um, and starting another church. And so we just, (laughs) church, church. So you've always been in ministry, pastoring? Um, Yeah. I mean, I, I really got saved when Brianna was born. And it was almost like as soon as we, we got saved and we got Brianna was born, we started into ministry. We started doing youth ministry. So I, f- I, I feel mean, like so many pastors start out as in youth, youth pastors. Ministry. I know. They, they somehow yeah. graduate. It's true. And then here we are yeah. in Hamilton working with youth again. <laughs> I know. What in the world? <laughs> you can't get away it all, from it. No, because it's the heart of God. <laughs> yeah. 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 Young people, kids, they're the heart For of God. Sure. Your girls are mm-hmm. how old? 20 and 17. 20 and 17. Yeah. And KJ is? 13. 13. So when you moved from Texas to Alabama, mm-hmm. what was that like moving your children? Mm. Well, when we moved to from Texas or from Virginia to Texas, it was, you know, we feel the Lord's called us here for ministry. This is probably where we're going to live forever, you know, all that. So it was different. But when we moved from Texas to Alabama, um, our marriage was just a mess and we were, it felt like we were running for our lives. Like we needed a safe place. So they all knew that. And there was no, like, there was a little bit of sadness, um, to leave, but they knew like, okay, we got to go, we got to go, you know? So it was like this, um, urgency almost. And so we moved, um, to Alabama. It was Bree's senior year. So she had to start a new high school her senior year with all these people she didn't know, you know, so that was a little traumatic in that. Um, and then of course, Alyssa and KJ both starting new schools and, um, and I look back on it now and I think like the Lord made it as soft of a landing as he could, you know, like as, as crazy as that would be to just, you know, pull kids out and move them here and you start a new school, whatever. But it really wasn't like that to the degree it could have been without him, you know? Um, and so, I mean, it, it's definitely been a journey and we're still, we're still navigating still. it. Like I still, I'm not going <laughs> to sit here and say, Oh, I figured it out now. Like I'm still, I don't know. <laughs> Cause you were in remission already when yeah. you moved from Texas to Alabama. I was. You mm-hmm. were already finished all your treatment. Mm-hmm. So was the problems in your marriage, was that a result of, your process with cancer, was it just difficult in that season? No, um, it was like, it revealed some things in that because he wanted to be able to fix things because he's a fixer and he can't, couldn't fix it. And what's his Enneagram number? Do you know what his is? 
I want to say a five, but I can't remember. We're going to have to find out. Because he's not too big on that stuff. Is I am, so I need to get to the bottom of it. He's either a three or a five. Three or five. Uh And you're a six. I am. Which is the the fiercely loyal friend. And, uh. But also struggle with fear a lot. Oh, yes. The sixes do. And the don't planning they? and the knowing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, I love what I love about the Enneagram. And here's why I remember my husband wouldn't would not did not even want to. <laughs> but for me, yeah. I have found it to be such a wonderful tool in in relationships, mm-hmm. in learning how to communicate with one another. And so yeah. if I can know oh, he hears this in this way. When mm-hmm. I say it, I need to say it differently. Or yeah. it just helps me be able to speak their language. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when you go through difficulty, communication with your family, with your yeah. spouse is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, my sister, I was recently um, with them in in a mm-hmm. crisis in their life. Mm-hmm. And they were having a difficult time. And she was saying, this, 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 this. And he said, this, 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 this. And I said, okay, here's the problem. You're in Enneagram 7. Yeah. You're in Enneagram 8. That's you guys awesome. need to just go take a nap because they were tired. <laughs> yeah. And they were really, that was really the root of right. this, this huge argument that they were having mm-hmm. is that they were under a lot of stress, mm-hmm. a ton of stress. And, at the end of and I understood right how he was responding based on who he is and how he yeah. is and how she was responding. And I was like, you know what? You guys are just stressed. You just need to go take a nap. Yeah. And sometimes the things that are really big, mm-hmm. sometimes we just need a nap. No, it's <laughs> or so a cup true. of coffee. Right. And a porch swing. <laughs> to make ever- and a porch swing. <laughs> yeah. So you have a beautiful little cabin yes. that you live in here. What do you yeah. love most about your cabin? My porch swing and my bathroom. I have a really nice tub. I really love it. <laughs> There's ministry in the bathtub for sure. There Everyone is mine needs a great too. bathtub. I love mm-hmm. that's yeah. like my quiet place mm-hmm. is in mine yes. as well. Mm-hmm. In Texas, how long were you there? Um, 2012 to 16. So almost, almost four, four years. years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you have an interesting story about living there that yeah. I really wanted you to talk about mm-hmm. today. Okay. So we are. And the reason I want to talk about it, I just feel like there's a lot of people right now in my family and in the circle of people that I know that are all kind of walking through this process. Either they have cancer or they know somebody with cancer. And you had cancer. Mm -hmm, I did. How did that start? Well, um, I was 34 and we were pastoring um, two churches and just stress level was pretty high and just had a lot going on. Three kids, you know, just rolling. And we didn't have health insurance at the time, Oh, um, ouch. which a lot of pastors deal don't, with and yeah. people don't talk about that. But um, we didn't have health insurance, so we didn't go to the doctor very often. The kids had Medicaid, um, but we didn't. And so I was laying in bed one night and um, I sleep on my back and I just noticed that I had a lump um, and I didn't. I didn't want to, you know, acknowledge it or anything, but so I kind of kept it to myself for a little bit. Um, and then I told Kevin one night, you know, I think that I have, I have this lump and I don't know, you know, and, um, he's like, okay, we'll keep an eye on it. If you feel like you need to go, we'll figure it out. I'm like, we don't have insurance. You can not just walk up into an oncology office and just <laughs> say, Hey, I just, you know, so I just kind of kept it to myself. Um, and I had this friend 
Um, her name was Robin, who loved the Lord and and heard from the Lord. And she invited me over for coffee. Oh, well. And she made great coffee. <laughs> and um, we were sitting there. We just kind of chit-chatted. And she said, I just need to tell you something. And I said, okay. And she said, um, I feel like the Lord's told me that you're keeping something and that you need to let it out. And so immediately I knew, like, the Lord's getting me because <laughs> I've you not hadn't told, anybody, told anyone I've not and it, you it hadn't been, been to the doctor almost a month at that point oh wow mm-hmm. and um so I just told her everything um turns out she was very involved in addiction recovery and she was like a therapist and a counselor and so she had connections to doctors when they would have addicts come that didn't have insurance right. she had grants and different things that she could send people and they would not pay um to go to the doctor so she sent me right over. She made a phone call, and, and I went to an oncologist with, at no cost. Um, and so they did all the testing, and, and um, they found it was it was a pretty good size um, tumor in, in my left breast. And I don't know how long I'd have let that go. You know, like looking back, I, I'm just the busyness of life, and you put yourself last. Right. And you just – you don't intentionally do that, but you just do it, and – and so I, um, I, I was able to do all the testing and everything up until the point of diagnosis, the grant covered it. And that gave me time to get health insurance and get all that taken care of. And, um, it was, um, it was stage two, um, but it was grade three. So it was a pretty good size. And I, I, I don't know, you know, I just think, I thank the Lord that I went when I did, cause I don't right. know, you know, that's pretty quick thing can move pretty quickly. And, um, so I was able to enter treatment and, um, and went through that. And, and my friend that actually that happened with her, the the one Robin, um, she developed a very rare form of cancer that started, they thought it was ovarian, but it ended up being, um, something from an appendix or something, but she ended up passing away from it. Oh my goodness. Um, fought it for, for a while and it was just super aggressive and, um, so was that the same time you were being treated right after, right after, right after I was starting to, you know, I was in radiation and all that, but I was on the road to recovery at that point. And then she started her fight, um, with hers. And so, what did yeah. that do for you when you're fighting and then somebody else is fighting and they don't make it? You know, you have this, it's like survivor guilt, um, right. for sure, because I, she's, she was amazing. I mean, yeah. Amazing. Love the Lord. Like, I don't know. I, I, I want to be that type of person that has that discernment that someone doesn't walk by me and I miss something. Right. And she, that's who she was. Like, she she never let you walk by her without her saying, how are you? No, how are you? You know, that kind because of Because she would know. She just knew. She knew. She cared enough, you know. Right. And um, so, yeah, it was it was rough um, because even during my treatment, I was too sick to get out of the bed. She would come and pick up my kids and she would spend one-on-one time with them. She would take each one like out to eat or to shop or just to spend time, just little things like that, you know, make meals. And, um, those little things are such big things, you know, when you were diagnosed, you started chemo. I did. What was your treatment like? Was it every other week? Were you going weekly? Um, You go weekly. Um, I had six weeks of it and, I mean, it, it was rough. I, I had hoped that I would be one of the ones that it didn't make you too sick or it would affect your life, but it definitely took me out of the game. And um, 
For people that don't know what chemotherapy mm-hmm. is, what does it do? So you said it was rough. Um, what exactly happens? I had happens? to get a port. Um, you get a port placement because the drugs are just too harsh for you to get it in your veins. I mean, so you a have port to, is like a thing they insert like mm-hmm. under your skin for it them is to. on your shoulder, chest area. You go that. into surgery, mm-hmm. have that inserted, and you that's do. where you get your drugs, your mm-hmm. chemo through. And they draw blood through there because you get blood drawn so often also. Um, and so you go in and I had four different types of medicines they were giving me weekly. Um, then I always had to go in the day after and you get the new Lasta shot, which is supposed to kind of help you out, um, your immune system and all that. But it, I mean, it, it's rough, you know, it's rough and, um, your hair falls out. Oh my goodness. Yeah. You're, was that traumatic Also, I hoped, Oh, I might be one of that 1%, but it doesn't, (laughs) you know, no, it, it started coming out in chunks, you know, and, um, one night I just told Kevin, I said, I just want you to come with me in here. I just want you to cut this, like just cut it. And so he shaved it off with his little buzzers, the rest of it. And, um, your eyelashes fall out, your eyebrows, your, your leg hair, which you don't really mind. Um, <laughs> we don't care, do we, girls? That, but everything, you know, and um, it kind of makes you nauseated it, as well. It, oh, it's awful. Smells. We, coffee. That was the saddest. You couldn't drink I coffee. I couldn't smell it, drink it, be around it. Oh, it was terrible. That is. But cool. I remember my first cup. After I do, I remember thinking, I'm going to try it. I just, I'm going to try it. And it was so great. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is so wonderful. <laughs> Now, at the time, so you have two girls, you have yes. and a boy. Mm-hmm. And how old were they when you were diagnosed when you were 34? Mm. They were. Well, um, Alyssa was in middle school and Brie was in high school. KJ was still in elementary. Um, so let me see, it was 2014. Um, so what is that? It's been five years. Okay. So, yeah, so KJ was about eight. I guess. I mean, he was still little, and he actually wanted to cut his hair like mine. So, oh, Kevin so you told the kids head. that was my. I did. You um, had to tell them. You know, you have to. Like you of can't. Course. You can't hide, and and of course you try to. Um, you try to. I tried to hide the worst of it. I didn't want them to know exactly how bad it was, but um, you know, you have to be honest and open and talk to them, and um, yeah, so. And that was hard for them to hear. It was. And they didn't, KJ didn't understand, um, you know, and Alyssa had had a friend pass away from cancer. Um, oh, she had really? leukemia um, while we were in Texas, actually. So she heard the word cancer and it was, you know, very scary for her. Um, was that your initial thought when you heard cancer? Were you thinking, I'm going to die? Or were you thinking, this is going to be yuck for a while? I just thought. It, it was a wake-up call for sure. Um, you believe, you know that the Lord is a healer, and and you know you believe that, you know. But but it's scary because you wonder, but what if what if that's not my route? What if this is going to be? What if your what healing if is, is you're in heaven mm-hmm. one day? Yeah, right. Um, and I remember I bought three little books for my kids, and I started writing out all these things in each book, um, just special things about them or things that I had always wanted to tell them, or you know, just. What if this right. doesn't turn the way I want it to, then right. I want, you know. One of them have something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. For sure. How did it, uh, you did chemo for six weeks. Mm-hmm. Did you end up in radiation? You it shrunk surgery? it down to almost the tip of my pinky. It was that oh, small. Wow. Um, it was, I mean, it was a good size. So that was amazing. And 
they so they removed that little bit um, and then they reconstructed both to look the same, you know, just to make me feel normal and all that. Um, and then I rested for a little bit and then I did the radiation after that. Um, and after that, you're kind of, you know, I had to do um, the Herceptin. Um, I want to say that was once a month or every three weeks maybe. And I would go in and I had to do that for a while. I took tamoxifen. I just stopped having to take tamoxifen every day. They tell you five years. So I just so hit my five-year mark. Five mark. Mm-hmm. And I was never so happy for somebody to tell me <laughs> that I can stop filling a prescription, you know. Um, it was That was really great. And so at right now I'm, I'm cancer-free. I don't have to take a thing. I have That's to go awesome. once a year, you know, just to as a, as a whatever. But, yeah. When... When you went into remission, do you feel like it's finished or do you ever have these times where you wonder this could come back or do I, am I going to have to go through this again? I do. Um, that fear is always there. And I, you know, I just went not too long ago for my, my yearly mammogram and blood work and all that stuff. And every time it's like I'm holding my breath and I'm, you know, it, it's a scary thing. I try not to partner with fear and all, you know, you tell yourself all the scripture things, all the God things, but fear's there and it, it tries to, to, to pull on you. But I, um, I don't know. It's just day by day, I guess. You just have to encourage yourself. Yeah. (laughs) So where was God in all of this for you? Oh goodness. Right with me. Right, right with me. I, um, you know, when, when you go into the, the chemo lab, they can't, your your people, whoever's with you, they can wait in the waiting room, but they can't come back there and stay with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're kind of forced to be by yourself. And I've, I've never been that kind of person that enjoys being alone. Like I need, <laughs> I need somebody. Um, I prefer to have somebody with me, but um, those times where you have to sit there, um, I, I want to say it's like 90 minutes that you're kind of by yourself. You're just sitting there and, um, you you're alone with your thoughts and you know, they're think I'm, I'm very thankful for like the outpouring of love that was shown during that time and people coming by and people texting people just encouraging, but it's those alone times that you can really, really hear the Lord. And he was just there, you know, he was just there. He, it wasn't even that he said a whole lot to me. Like it you was just, just knew I just knew alone. I wasn't alone. And, I don't know. People have asked, like, how do you hear the word cancer? And how do you, how do you just keep, how do you walk through that? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> you, you just, just do. do it. <laughs> and it's almost like he pushes, he pushed me through, you know, like nudged me through. So, yeah. Are you a different person? Oh, yeah. Now than you were? What's yeah. changed about you? Um, I don't think that, and I love my husband, but mm-hmm. I don't think I rely on him as much being just super dependent upon him because um, I feel like I did that before. And in this, I had to face this alone. Like I had to walk this out. I didn't have, like I said, you know, it was just me and the Lord in a lot of places. And um, you just have those moments where you realize like, I can do this because the Lord's with me. Like I don't have to have a person necessarily to hold me up. Like, the Lord is holding me up and he can handle it. You know, like I think he, he can, I think he's got <laughs> he's it. Like, God. He does not need help, you know? And I, I just, 
I just, my faith, everything is so much stronger than it was before because we say, if you haven't really weathered a storm, it's easy to say, oh, God is good all the time or God can do anything. Like we quote all the scriptures and we know all the things, but when you really walk through something and you see that you made it and you see the Lord brought me through that, like nothing can take it from you, you know, right. and your faith is just crazier than it ever was. Was there ever a time that you maybe felt angry at God in this process? Um, yeah, probably so. Um, and I, I just. Cause he's big. He can handle it. Absolutely. So don't feel bad if you were angry. Oh yeah. I was for sure. Just because you think I've had moments where that, you know, it's Psalm 91. Like I believe Psalm 91. I believe I'm under his wing and in his shelter and that he is my protector over my family and everything. And so you think, well, I'm in ministry. He's going to protect me. I shouldn't have to well, I tell people all the time that the Lord is good. Like, right. I, why would I have to go through something to to prove it, you know? Right. And so I did have those moments like, why? what? Like, I'm a pastor's wife. Why would I get cancer? You know what I mean? Like right. That, As if only the bad people right. get only cancer bad and good people, people are supposed don't. to. Yeah. And so I didn't realize I felt that way. But there were moments where I'm like, whoa, maybe I was a little mad at him or or ask, you know, doubting hey, him. Hey, I didn't or, deserve this. Yeah, or I'm a my good family, <laughs> my family didn't deserve this. I'm pretty this. good. Like what? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had a friend make a comment the other day about, um, sometimes when things are hard, we think it's bad. Yeah. And only the good things, you know, are God. Mm-hmm. But really there's this place that when you are going through difficulty that God is in. Yes. And I don't think that God causes sickness. Right. I do not think that God would use sickness in that way at all. But I think that what the enemy intends for evil in our lives, that God does turn for good. For sure. But there's a place when you go through difficulty and transition Mm -hmm. and places where you can't do anything except let God be God. Yeah. There's this strength that is built up in you and endurance. Yeah. And I think God is so glorified in that, Mm -hmm. that it's almost like, I remember rabbit trail. I remember, (laughs) I remember one time being in such a, a broken place, my heart broken over something. And there was that verse that God is near the brokenhearted. Mm -hmm. And I remember in that season, that was so difficult that God was so near. Like I could just close my eyes and I didn't even have to pray, but I Mm -hmm. could feel his presence. And I remember going, if he, if I can feel him like this, I almost don't want to get well. Like I almost don't want to get better because he felt so near in that season. But I, I do think that in difficulty, in hardship, that there is a place in the Lord that, Mm -hmm changes us, grows us in ways that we can't even fully understand Mm -hmm. that really make us different and new and whole in areas of our lives that, that were broken before. And we didn't even really know it until later down the road. And you're like, Oh yeah, I don't struggle with that Mm -hmm. anymore. Yeah. And it all goes back to just the goodness of God going, I know while you were sick (laughs) or while you were moving or I was taking care of all this other stuff for Mm -hmm. you while you were going through that. Yeah. And there's things about your heart that you don't realize until you get to those vulnerable places. And when you get vulnerable, 
I'm like, ooh, I didn't know that was still in there. <laughs> I'm going to have to deal with that because I can totally see it now. You can totally see it. Mm. How do how do people need to respond to somebody with cancer? What do I need to say? What did you need people to do or say for you in that That's journey? a really great question and thought because um, when it happened, there there's different times and different feelings that you have. Um, there were times when I thought I needed, I need people, I need people, but really I didn't. I just needed to, to rest and be with the Lord and that kind of thing. Um, there were some people that were totally, they were just amazing. Like they would bring my food because I had kids, I couldn't cook, you know? Right. And so our church, our churches were amazing. They would bring my food. Um, they would come get the kids. They would take care of the kids. I even had someone um, pay someone to clean my house, which I say now, I'm not going to let anybody clean my house. You know, I can clean my house, but at that point, I could not clean my house. Right. And that was the most incredible gift, having someone come and vacuum and do my dishes. And um, But they would just stop by or they would just send a text to say, I'm thinking about you. Um, I think there are some people that don't know what to say, and so they don't say anything. And I think that can be hurtful, you know, because you you need to know that you're you're cared for and that you're thought about. You don't even... They don't even have to come over. They don't have to come do anything extra. You know, just the thought, just knowing that you're being thought about is so powerful um, and being prayed for. And, you know, there there were people, my sweet friend Robin, she bought me this blanket and I called it my angel blanket. And it was like the softest blanket in the world. Like <laughs> cancer patients, get them a soft blanket. Like, okay. you know, like anytime okay. somebody's going through something, that's just such a... It was such a gift, um, but just something like that. Um, someone found out that I loved croissants from Sam's Club, <laughs> which is so <laughs> random. But and there were times I couldn't eat a thing, you know. But I could usually eat a croissant, eat a croissant. from Sam's. So they would buy me these humongous things and just drop them, you know. One time I got a text: "There's a box of croissants on your porch." How they didn't funny. even knock because they didn't know if I was asleep, you know. Did you communicate that kind of stuff to these people, or were these just ideas of their own? I think they asked either the kids or Kevin or something. What's what are some things I liked or something like that? Okay, yeah, just little simple little things. <laughs> What's, what is something we should not do or say? Oh, tell them that they look tired. Okay. That's the worst. (laughs) I would drag myself to church and I would wrap a scarf around my bald head, you know, (laughs) and like drag myself and sit there and try to make it through. And people would say, oh, you just look so tired. And I'm well, thanks. <laughs> I'm sick. I totally am, but thanks. I have cancer. You know, um, I don't, I mean, that was really the only thing. There wasn't really anything offensive or anything like that. I think don't assume that they want you to come over and just want to talk because sometimes they're not going to want to talk. They're just in that place. But um, yeah, I think that's just try to be sensitive. Did you ever feel like in public that everybody was looking at you? Oh, yeah. Did you really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And um, I I did the fake eyelash thing because I could not stand not having eyelashes. <laughs> and so I'd slap them things on. But, um, you know, you can't. What you, your hair, I didn't do the wig thing. Like some people no. do that. And my mom did buy me one. And uh-huh. I just could not. I just It just was <laughs> not working. So I just bought the pretty scarves. 
at World Market, and I rolled with that. <laughs> I think it would kind of be fun with all the scarves. Yeah. I mean, all the uh, different wigs. wigs like, yeah. oh, I think I'll be a redhead today. Yeah. Oh, I think I went curly hair I today. Know. Yeah. But uh, my sister is also in her journey with breast cancer as well. Yeah. And her head is so sensitive that she can't yeah. stand for anything to touch it. And she really? said the other day, I would not wear a wig. I could. I can't even it's, put one yeah. of these little silk hats on my head it hurts mm. so bad sometimes Aww. so she's in that place where yeah. she's all about the scars yeah the softest <laughs> scarves yes mm. well i think there's something so beautiful too that you know you probably felt insecure about the way you looked not mm-hmm. having eyelashes and not having hair and mm-hmm. maybe feeling tired or looking tired but to me when i see people I'm more aware, I think, right now when I see people in public that you go, oh, I know that they're in chemo right now. Mm -hmm. But to me, when I see them, it's not a pity that I feel. I Mm -hmm. hope that's okay. Mm -hmm. I see them and I think, wow, they look beautiful. They're so Mm -hmm. brave. Look at at them here. And and if you ever wondered what people (laughs) think. Yeah. So tell me what's next. Oh, Lord. (laughs) You tell me. Do you see anything? I've been asking God for myself <laughs> for so long. I know. I, I noticed the title of the podcast and I thought, what's next? I don't know. <laughs> what is next? Maybe I'll go and they'll say, we've heard from the Lord for you. We just want to tell you what we hear. <laughs> I don't know. I, I want to know. I mean, we, we've pastored for so long and now, you know, I'm a receptionist. So that's Have you awesome. ever thought about <laughs> writing a book? I've started a book. Yay! I have um, five chapters in, actually. Look at I you. I know. Lindsay's Lindsay Doss actually pushed me a little bit. and um, so, so Lindsay is a friend of ours that pastors mm-hmm. Hope Unlimited Church yes. in Knoxville, mm-hmm. who is an author who's yes. written books about her own journey. Yes. And is super encouraging about it. And uh, I mentioned to her once that I wanted to, and so she's encouraged me about it. Um I'll get there. I'm getting there. You're getting there. <laughs> I'm getting there. One page at a time. One page at a time. Yeah. Yeah. I've just learned that there is a timing with God. Yeah. That mm-hmm. we can't understand. That's it's right. really just trusting him because something that could seem like a really long time for us is nothing to, to him. It's like oh. a minute. So sometimes you get a word from God. <laughs> and then you wait yeah. 10 years yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to see mm. even remotely anything, yeah. you know, of that. And that can mm. be a challenging place to be sometimes. <laughs> yes, it, so. it can. Yeah. Do you have a book title yet? Still um, thinking about it? I'm still thinking about it, but I've thought about Tales of a Pastor's Wife. Just because I have a few. <laughs> you do. <laughs> I have a few. Yeah. Um, I'm sure some people would probably pick it up and read it for yeah, that. Yeah. Because um, Pastor's Wife always got some some stories, you know, some things on her heart, too. And sometimes she gets overlooked. But she usually has to carry much of the burden. So <laughs> finding your voice yeah. in this next year, mm. I think, sounds about right. Yes. Well, I'll so. receive every bit of that. <laughs> Thanks for talking with us. Thank you. Oh man, all the feels on that one, guys. I so appreciate Krista's courage and the beautiful way she talks about her journey with breast cancer. This would be a great episode to share with anyone who has cancer or knows someone with cancer. 
so that we can better know how to be a community of people who love well in the middle of sickness. I encourage you to reach out today to someone you know who is dealing with cancer or sickness in their body and simply let them know you were thinking of them. Friends, so glad you could join us at the table today. And when Krista finishes writing her book, we'll let you know how you can get a copy. If you'd like to get connected, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook under the name Melissa Matheson. That's math, like four plus one equals five. I before E, son, S-O-N. Friends, I hope you plan to join us again on Wednesday as we sit around the table, have a cup of coffee, and talk about the camels coming on What's Next, God? <laughs>